Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Okay, here we go, guys. All right. Uh, Carol, tell us what are we doing today? Yes, Holly. Today we're doing another grim fairy tale, Yay. the juniper tree. Oh, I have not heard this one, so this will be fun. Yeah, well, the juniper tree is one of the darkest and most disturbing of the grim fairy tales, first appearing in their edition published in 1812. Oh, wow. This is an old story. Mm -hmm. It is one of the longest in the book, and there are some historians that believe this tale was an adaptation of another story, the almond tree written by painter Philip Otto Rouge. Oh, like and his name. I know it reminds me of an orange or something. Philip Otto Rouge. It makes me think of Moulin Rouge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fre or French, probably. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and there are two unique features that are not common for the Grimm Brothers style of fairy tales. One is the use of poem or song style prose in the tale. And the other is the unusual Pomeranian dialect that it was originally written in. Pomeranian as in the dog? Yes. <laughs> Thank so you. So it was originally written for small Pomeranian dogs to enjoy. <laughs> Is what there's, you're saying. It must be. And there's only <laughs> one other grim fairy tale that has this type of dialect, which was known for a certain region in Germany where you guessed it, Holly, little Pomeranians were running Yay! all around. I want to go there and play with them. <laughs> so this style was used, or this dialect, excuse me, this dialect was used in an early time before the standard high German was adopted that most people are familiar with. Um, long before the publication of the story, Johann Goethe knew of the tale, perhaps, and used a version of the song in Faust, published in 1808. Good job on that name. Oh, you're welcome. Johann Goethe? Goethe. Goethe. Oh, my God. Yes. Look at you and your perfect German um, enunciations. <laughs> the wow. I don't know if they're perfect. I mean, many Germans out there are probably like, no, definitely not perfect. The juniper tree, like most original grim fairy tales, is not suitable for children and would serve as a loose resemblance to a better known tale having certain symbols, phrases, and imagery, which you will surely recognize in this tale. Now, let us, without further delay, begin. It was said long, long ago, a very rich man and his beautiful and pious wife were in love. And even though they were very happy together, they wished for a child. The woman would pray morning and night, but after several years with a barren womb, she had grown very sad and wistful. Outside their home, there was a pretty little courtyard which had a single juniper tree. There were many memories made under that tree, with afternoon summer picnics and many hours passed reading in the shade, away from the heat of the sunshine. One winter day, when the ground was covered in snow, the woman walked around her courtyard and peeled an apple to eat while standing underneath the juniper tree. Just as she was almost done, 
Her peeler slipped and sliced her finger open, cutting deeply, as bright red blood dripped onto the fresh snow. Oh shit, motherfucker. That hurt, she cried and sighed heavily <sighs> at her bad luck. Looking at the drops of blood around her, she exclaimed, If only I could have a child as red as blood and white as snow. Well, now, this is a curious thing to desire, but as narrator and mind reader, the red as blood meant a healthy child, full of energy, passion for life, and of course, rosy cheeks. Wishing also for her child to be white as snow meant born with skin, free from any blemish, rash, or birthmark, and having a pure, beautiful, and innocent soul for all to behold. Well, just as soon as the woman uttered those words, If only I could have a child as red as blood and white as snow. She was immediately filled with such peace and happiness. She believed with such confidence her words would be blessed. Perhaps she knew of the juniper tree's magical properties. It was long rumored that juniper trees would protect those who desperately needed help and its branches could detect thieves who might come to harm the family. It was also noted among witches in the area that the berries were an aphrodisiac and caused virility in men. But there was also a darker side of the juniper berry and was given the nickname the bastard killer due to a terrible fate dealt when pregnant ladies would suddenly crave the berries in a ravenous way, eating them and then falling gravely ill. The ladies would recover eventually, but the baby would be lost and nothing could stop the miscarriage. This magical tree could give life, but also take life. And the mystical dance a person had with it always required a blood sacrifice. Yes. <laughs> a month passed by and the snow soon melted away. Two more months passed by and everything grew green. At the end of the third month, beautiful flowers sprang up from the ground and at four months the forest beyond the property became lush and all the green branches became entwined. The birds sang in the air and the hills echoed its call. The blossoms soon fell from the tree as the fifth month passed. The woman then came out of the house and stood once more underneath the juniper tree and she breathed in its fragrance and her heart was filled with excitement. She knew then without a doubt, I am pregnant, my womb is full, and fell to her knees beside herself with joy. <laughs> After the sixth month when the fruit was large and plentiful, she made herself lie very still and calm. But at the end of the seventh month, she could no longer deny herself. The temptation was too great and she grabbed frantically at the ripe juniper berries, eating them greedily, gorging herself with the delicious juice. Yum, yum, yum. Afterwards, she was filled with such sorrow and sickness, she was sure her actions would doom her to eternal suffering. When the eighth month passed, she called out for her husband, saying to him as he wept, Please, I beg you, if I die, please bury me underneath the juniper tree. The husband was terrified to hear her request, but agreed, 
and she was filled with comfort and happiness until the ninth month's end, when she delivered a healthy baby boy who was red as blood and white as snow. Yay! (laughs) She and her husband were overcome with delight as their baby was everything they wished for. But as the wife held the baby tenderly in her arms, she took a final breath and died. Her husband, remembering her request, wept rivers of tears as he dug deep into the ground and buried her under the moonlight beneath the juniper tree. His weeping went on and on for some time as he could not bear losing her. And being all alone as a single dad with a baby to raise and a very stressful job, he soon found another wife and married. She was a bit older and already had a child of her own, a precious little girl from a one-night stand during her college days. He knew no one could fill his heart like his first wife, but he felt lucky she would have him. Her daughter, Marlenchen, was so sweet but didn't have any remarkable traits and was average in looks and intelligence. Marlenchen. I know, isn't that cute? You just had to say Marlenchen? Marlenchen. A weird name. I know okay. I should have changed it, but <laughs> I figured people want to remember this story. Okay. That will make it, you know, cemented. That'll sell it. Yeah. Okay. That'll sell it. It's yeah. a little sizzle. But the father loved her all the same. But when the new stepmother saw how superior the first wife's son was to her child, a cutting jealousy stabbed her heart. He was red as blood and white as snow. The boy was also the eldest, and that meant he would always be in the way of her daughter receiving inheritance. That's not going to fly. No. It was said in the original tale that the evil one was possessing her thoughts, and over time it was all she could think about and became quite obsessed with hatred towards the boy. Every day she would fantasize plots of how her daughter could receive all the fortune for herself. She would terrorize the young boy, smacking him in the head and beating him daily for every little thing she could blame him for, offering him no safe place except the time he spent at school. She would also send him out on dangerous errands, hoping he would get lost or have an accident. Wow, she's a piece of work. Oops. The boy could not understand why his stepmother hated him so much, but he found pity with his sister, who would from time to time bring him a little treat or tell him a funny joke to make him smile. Little Marlinchen was his best friend, and she made his life bearable. Aw, how sweet. Very cute. One day, the woman went upstairs to her room, and her daughter Marlinchen followed, asking sweetly if she could please have an apple. Yes, my dear Marlinchen. Uh-oh. And went to the large chest with a heavy lid and iron lock to retrieve the best apple for her daughter. Storing apples this way ensured they were safe from rats and other pests, but it did prove difficult for little hands to lift the lid. Mother, said Marlinchen, would you also get an apple for my brother so he will be happy when he comes home from school? This made the wife very upset, and she didn't think he deserved any special handouts. But instead she responded, Yes, of course, but it is not time for him to return home, so we will need to wait. And it was as if the devil again took possession of her thoughts, and she actually hissed aloud, snatching the apple away from her daughter, telling her she can wait to eat it later when her brother was back home. 
Little Marlinchen grew tired of waiting and returned to her room to play with the doll while time ticked by slowly. Tick-tock, tick-tock, cuckoo. At last the mother saw the boy walking up the path and when he opened the front door, she asked him kindly if he would like an apple. The boy was a bit confused because her voice seemed kind, but her eyes were crazy, filled with wicked intent, and he said to her, Why, mother, how absolutely horrible you look glaring at me. What is wrong? Do you want the apple or not, boy? Yes, of course, he hesitantly replied. And in that moment, she devised a very evil plan. Come with me then, and dragged him by the elbow roughly upstairs to the chest of apples. She let go of him, throwing open the chest and pointing down to the apples. Fetch yourself one then. No, that one is Marlinchen's. And she kept scolding the boy as he leaned over the chest, eagerly searching for another equally large apple. The evil inside her took over and she slammed down the lid onto the boy's head, severing it completely no off. No way. That is dark. <laughs> wow. Very dark. As if she woke from a trance, she exclaimed with fear, <clears throat> Oh my God, what have I done? If only I could change the past. But no, I'll, I'll just have to make sure nobody knows what I've done. She quickly went to her room and rummaged up a white scarf from her top drawer, which she wound tightly around the base of the boy's head <laughs> and balanced it back on his shoulders so that in the dim lighting, nobody would see anything amiss. That's fucked up. Very. <laughs> quickly, she mopped up all the blood and removed the smashed cartilage and bits of flesh caught on the edge of the trunk lid. Then she carried the boy down to the door by the kitchen, propping him in a chair with Marlinchen's apple in his hand. Pretending she was boiling a pot of water and preparing dinner, she had her back to the door when after a few minutes the little girl returned and approached her brother. Mother, she called out, brother looks unwell. He just sits there with my apple and won't say a thing when I ask him to give it back. I'm frightened, he's so pale. Hmm, said her mother. Go back to him again, and this time give him a good smack on his head or ear. He is always ignoring us with his daydreaming. I swear his education is a wasted effort for all his love of nonsense poems and compositions of music that no one will ever pay to hear. Marlinchen obeyed her mother and went back, calling out to her brother, Hello there! Hello! McFly! It's me, silly! Give me back my apple! It's mine, please! But again, he did not say a word back, and it even appeared to her he had not blinked. Then, being totally fed up, she gave him a firm clap on the ear, and to her utter horror, her brother's head rolled right off onto the floor. His, That's so fucked up. His head landing face up and his eyes open, staring vacantly into her gaping, screaming face. Crying and shaking, she flew to her mother's side. Oh, I can't believe it. I've killed my brother. Knocking him so hard, his head has come right off. She was so hysterical, she could barely be understood. But her mother, knowing what happened, screamed back at her, saying, What have you done? You've decapitated him. 
You must quiet yourself immediately, Marlenchen. Nobody must know of this, and we have to act quickly. I know. We will make him into our dinner, and there will be oh. no evidence. This is getting darker all the time. This is this is the best story. Oh my God. This is crazy. I will cut him in parts and boil him down in this pot and make puddings or stew. Hush now. Nobody will ever know. The little girl could not stop crying. She was overcome with grief for she loved her brother. Well, said her mother, trying to make best of a bad situation. At least we won't need to add any salt to the stew. Your tears have fallen right into the pot. This woman is a wicked. Wick, My goodness. W-I-C-K-E-D. Damn. Okay. The father then came home weary from a long day at work and sat down at the dinner table. Smelling dinner, he complimented his wife and said, Oh, my favorite stew. Thank you. I am so hungry. I'm going to go barf, I think. <laughs> I got to reach, reach for my antacids, too. <laughs> my word. But why, little Marlenchen, are you crying? And where is my boy? He needs to come to the kitchen. The home was quiet as his wife ladled the stew into a big bowl and set it down for him to eat. Again, he asked, where is the boy? Marlinchen, come here. Why are you crying? Oh, she is just sad. Her brother has left. He has gone to visit his departed mother's great uncle and will be there for some time. Hearing this news upset the father and he said, why would he leave without saying goodbye to me? I am so sad I didn't get to see him or hug him goodbye. And with this, Marlinchen cried even harder and pushed her bowl of stew aside. Now, come here, daughter. Of course he'll be back soon, right? Do not cry. Silence. How long is he gone? He'll be back soon, right? The wife replied, um, no, not soon. I'm sorry. At least eight weeks, maybe even longer, but you shouldn't worry. The great uncle was very nice, and he assured me that the boy would be well taken care of. As the father ate, he sucked off the tender meat Ugh. from the bones and tossed them under the table. Oh, gross. Seeing his frustration, his wife continued saying, don't worry, he really likes it there and was too excited to wait for you to come home to say goodbye, but I'm sure he'll send us a letter soon. Seeing that Marlinchen was letting her stew grow cold, he pulled it over to him and finished her bowl too. Oh my God. Can you say yum yum again? Yum yum gross. <laughs> Blah. Little Marlinchen at this act became hysterical again and excused herself crying and ran upstairs to her room. She opened her closet and looked at all the silk scarves she had collected over the years for her hair and chose a purple scarf, her brother's favorite color. Sneaking back downstairs when her father and mother retired to their room for the night, she crawled under the table and grabbed all the bones, wrapping them together in her purple scarf. Still overcome with grief, Marlinchen ran outside and laid the bundle of bones wrapped in the scarf in the damp green grass under the juniper tree. As she sat weeping, she could feel the wind picking up and the branches moving back and forth above her. She was mesmerized, as it seemed like the branches were clapping their hands for joy. All her sadness seemed to leave her at once, 
and she noticed a gentle mist rising up and wrapping thickly around the tree. There in the middle of it was a reddish glow as if the tree was on fire and a beautiful bird shot up out of the tree high into the sky, singing with such power that Marlinchen gazed after the bird until it was just a tiny dot disappearing into the evening sky. Coming out of her trance-like state, Marlinchen looked down and noticed the silk scarf with the bones had vanished, and the ground seemed undisturbed. The tree was standing as before, silent, and a beautiful dark green with his branches still, as if Marlinchen had imagined the whole thing. The one thing that had changed was the little girl's feeling that her brother was now happy and free, free as that beautiful little bird. She felt lighthearted and hopeful as she went back to the house and searched for some more bread, at least to fill her stomach before bed. The next morning, there was a strange little bird sitting on the house of one of the local jewelers in town, singing loudly. My mother, she cooked me. My father, he ate me. My little sister cried and gathered up my bones in her silk scarf to lay under the juniper tree. What a beautiful bird am I. Wow, Holly. <laughs> Stop it. I at, just got your script, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> um, At the time, the shop owner was working on repairing an expensive gold chain. But when he heard the songbird on his roof, he got up and ran out to hear it, and in his haste, lost one of his slippers. But that didn't even faze him as he ran right into the middle of the street with one slipper on and just a sock on the other foot. He was still carrying the gold chain he was working on in his hand. Everyone within earshot stopped what they were doing and gazed up at the bird. The sun was lighting up its feathers, making it appear like a messenger from the heavens. Dear little bird, what beautiful sound you make to warm my heart. Please sing me that song again. Think so. I don't just seem expecting nothing in return. A bird has to earn its wage too, you know. Here, here, said the jeweler. Take the gold chain, it's yours. But please sing me that song again. The bird swooped down and grabbed the gold chain in its claw, and then he danced a bit in front of the man and sang once more. The bird then flew to the roof of the local shoe shop and started to sing. When the shop owner heard him, he ran out of his shop with his shirt half-buttoned and his morning coffee splashing out of his mug, but he could not contain himself with his excitement and gazed upon the bird with his hand over his eyes to help shield him from the blinding light of the sun. Oh, little bird, he called, how beautiful you sing. You must stay while I call my wife to come hear you. Wife, oh wife, come here and see this bird quickly and how beautiful it sings. Oh, and children, get all of your friends quick. You must hurry. And all of the children, delivery workers, and anyone within his block came running down the street to look at the bird. The sunshine made the bird glisten with its red and green feathers, burnished golden neck, and twinkling black eyes. It was a sight to behold, and everyone oohed and awed. Oh, little birdie, please sing me that song again, said the shop owner. No way, Jose. Who do you think I am? This voice does not come cheap. I mean, do you go to hear the opera and expect free tickets? 
You are a chump. Hmm. The shop owner thought to himself and said, Wife, can you go look on the upper shelf in the back room of the shop where I usually keep the shoe polish? I think there is a new pair of red leather cowboy boots that would look adorable on any child or bird. The, w- the wife quickly retrieved the shoes, and the shop owner smiled as he set the new shoes before the bird. There, little bird, this red leather don't come cheap. Now, please sing me that song again. The bird swooped down and stepped into the boots. They were pretty big, but he agreed, <laughs> flying back to the roof and singing. My mother, she cooked me. My father, he ate me. My little sister cried. And gathered up my bones in her silk scarf to lay under the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a beautiful bird am I. The bird then took off flying away with his gold chain and red leather boots. Up far away there was an old mill on the hillside. The mill was humming its own tune. Clip, clap, clip, clap, clip, clap. Inside the mill, there was about 20 men working to carve a heavy stone. And with each cut, the sound was hick, hack, hick, hack, hick, hack. And the mill went clip, clap, clip, clap, clip, clap. The bird sat in a lime tree in front of the mill and started to sing very deliberately and very loud. My mother, she cooked me. One of the men working stopped. My father, he ate me. Two more cocked their head to each other and also stopped working. My little sister cried. Four more stopped to listen intently to the bird. And gathered up my bones in her silk scarf. Now, there were only eight men left working. To lay under the juniper tree. And then only five were still hewing the stone. And only one was still working. What a beautiful bird am I. And now that last worker caught just the tail end of the final phrase and said, Bird, how god-awful you sing. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) He said, Bird, how beautifully you sing. I was so busy hewing out this heavy stone, I did not hear the rest of your song. Can you please sing it for me just once more? No, sirree, no can do for you. I will not sing twice for nothing. Give me the millstone. Do you expect the world to cater to your every wish, even when you aren't paying attention at all and work, work, work all the time? Maybe some life balance will do you some good, man. My papa, you see, never once saw my bruises from that evil wife of his. He was always working, always coming home late and hungry, just shoveling it in his pie hole and then passing out in his chair, never once reading me a bedtime story. Not once. Well, the bewildered man just stood there confused how this beautiful bird in cowboy boots could hurl insults and act like a tortured little soul. And yet with its singing could make his insides all fuzzy and warm. But little birdie, I would give it to you if I could, but the stone does not belong just to me. The other workers were listening and quickly chimed in saying, oh yes, if he sings again, we all agree for the bird to have it. The bird flew down and lowered its neck while the 20 millers all raised the stone up for the bird to stick its neck through the hole like it was wearing a collar and up it flew as if it weighed nothing. 
and again sang the song carrying the millstone around its neck, the gold chain in its right claw and the boots on its back feet. Heading back to the home where sat Marlinchen, the father and his wife, the bird overheard the father saying, I just feel so good tonight. I haven't been happy for so long, but for some reason, I feel great. Not me, said the wife. I feel on edge. My anxiety is worse than usual, and I have a horrible headache. The husband said, you usually say that every evening, honey. <laughs> no, my bones are aching as if a bad storm is gathering outside. Marlinchen didn't say a word. She was just weeping, crying as usual, because dinner now reminded her of him, oh, her brother, and how he was cooked <laughs> in a pot and eaten. Oh, poor, poor little Marlinchen, Mia. <laughs> My heart goes out to her. The bird flew closer and hopped right onto the roof. The father continued to speak, saying, Well, I feel truly amazing. It's as if the year 2020 didn't happen at all. And look, the sun is shining outside. I feel just as if I were to be surprised by an old friend. But the wife kept insisting, saying, no, it is an awful day. I seem to have a fever, and at the same time, my teeth are chattering. I am so unsettled. And she ripped off her sweater and unfastened her blouse at the neck, waving her empty plate across her chest like a fan. Marlinchen got up from the table and sat in a corner weeping and crying into her fists like she had most nights lately. Softly, though, a melody floated through the window. My mother, she cooked me. My father, he ate me. My little sister cried and gathered up my bones in her silk scarf to lay under the juniper tree. Quick, quick. What a beautiful bird am I. The wife became frantic. She closed her eyes and jabbed her fingers in her ears so she would not hear or see. And yet there was a roaring sound in her ears like the most violent of storms. And the pressure was building to the point that her eardrums started to bleed. And her eyes stung with burning and flashed with bright lights like lightning so that her head pounded in agony. The father, oblivious to the scene, calls out to his wife sweetly, saying, Oh, wife and mother, you must see this beautiful bird singing so splendid in the shining sun, and I think I can even smell cinnamon. Yum! Yum. Little Marlinchen kept weeping, crying, and hiccuping in the corner, and her father said, Well, hell to you all, I'm going out. I have to see this bird. Oh, please don't go. I feel we're in grave danger, and the whole house is shaking. It's ready to explode in fire. But he acted like she was being silly and went outside to say, Hello, bird. The bird, while singing, dropped the golden chain to land perfectly around the man's neck, and it shined brilliantly on his tan skin. Opening the door to the house, he calls in, Look at my necklace. This fine bird gave it to me and see how pretty this birdie is. But the woman fell down in terror, and she was forced to hear this bird singing to her. My mother, she cooked me. My father, he ate me. Would I be buried a thousand feet below this house not to hear that god-awful song? And as the bird sang, she collapsed as if dead. 
Upon hearing the bird's song, Marlinchen got up and said, I too will go out and see if this bird will give me some fine jewelry. The bird continued singing and kicked off the red leather boots, which landed on the ground right in front of the little girl. Marlinchen was so excited she put on the new red boots, which fit her perfectly, and went dancing and skipping into the house. Look, mother, my wonderful red leather boots. I am definitely going to the rodeo next fall. Yahoo! You must agree to take me. That bird is so brilliant, and he has given me these shoes. Well, maybe if I go see this bird, said the evil stepmother, I too will be relieved of all my fears and perhaps feel better. You can see where this is going. <laughs> Foreshadowing. 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 <laughs> and as she went out the front door, a heavy crash tumbled down onto her head. The bird had dropped the heavy millstone right down, and it crushed her skull, pinning her to the ground. Yeah. The sound of choking and gargling was heard while blood oozed out from beneath the stone. Marlinchen and her father ran out to see what happened, and as they took in the scene of a red puddle soaking into the ground, smoke and flames sprang up from the courtyard. But soon it burnt out, and there stood looking, red as blood and white as snow, was Marlinchen's brother. Hello. The three ran together in a big group hug, so happy to be reunited and all went into the house to cook up what was left of the evil mother and enjoy a hearty stew. <laughs> the end. Oh, God. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was great. You like my twist on the ending? I did. That was very good. Carol, I wonder what happened to that juniper tree? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, Holly. Well, many years later, one winter, it was mistaken as a good candidate for a family's Christmas tree and was cut down. Uh-oh. Yeah, and a tragic event soon followed in their home where that tree caught fire, killing everyone inside on Christmas Eve. Uh-oh. It was said that nothing was left except scavenger birds. Oh, very good. <laughs> you got to watch out for those evil Christmas trees. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> that was great. That was dark and disturbing and very much a grim fairy tale, and I loved every second of it. When I write up my next grim tale, I'll I'll make sure to include a part for you. Aww, because that's kind of fun to read it together. It is cool. Yeah. Uh, you did a yeah. good a great job. Yeah. I'm glad you liked the tale. I did. And, I loved it. Um, thank you. And for those who um, want to hear our next tale, um, stay tuned for many more to follow. Yeah, I don't know what it is yet. Oh. <laughs> I have to go through the book and find one. <laughs> if you guys have any suggestions, let us know. Yeah. Okay. Take care. That's it. Bye. Bye. Okay, I hope that was enough because I kept moving and I kept hearing something. I'm like, I think I'm messing up the quiet part. So, think about how hard it was to film a quiet place. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Please, I beg you, if I die, please bury me underneath that Jupiter tree. It's juniper tree. <laughs> say, it, say, say it one more time. <laughs> okay. Uh, Please, I beg you, if I die, please bury me underneath that juniper tree. Fuck. <laughs> and more one time. more time. One more time. Wow, that's just so gorgeous. <laughs> the bird. <laughs>
<laughs> I used my best TV voice. Thank you. The bird flew closer. <clears throat> Say that again. Did you hear that? Yeah. It's either a gunshot or a backfire car. Oh. <laughs> and duck next time you hear it. <laughs> I think I will. Ah, oh, wife and mother, you must see this beautiful bird singing so splendid in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> You're so close to I the know. end. Yeah. Tweet, tweet, what a beautiful bird I am. It's quit. Quit. Quit, quit. I, okay. Quit, quit. 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 As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode. <laughs>